Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio. Uh, This is show number 425 and we're going to be exploring in the next half hour the importance of cultures in creating employee engagement, but with particular reference uh, to a a particular type of organisation and kind of business. Um, But first of all, um, by way of some introductions, Engage for Success, um, as many of our listeners will know, is a not-for-profit movement and we're the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Visit us at engageforsuccess.org where you can learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter and also uh, find out more details of our next event on Friday the 4th of February, our next virtual event that is, uh, where we're going to be looking at the link between employee engagement and customer satisfaction, customer loyalty uh, and customer retention. So um, more details of that on our website. Uh, and my name is Jo Moffitt. I'm one of the regular hosts uh, of the radio show, but I'm also managing director and founder of Woodread. Uh, Woodread is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques and the insight led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work high-performing cultures of engaged employees. So, as I say, radio show number 425, exploring the importance of cultures in creating employee engagement. And my special guest today to help us explore the topic um, is Abid Jan Mohammed. Uh, Abid is founder and director of Volando, who are a Uh, an early stage startup growth consultancy. So we're going to be talking about this topic very much um, from through that lens, really, of startups and growth uh, organizations. So uh, welcome to the show, Abid. Thank you, Joe. Um, Thank you. It's It's great to be here. Um, Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Sorry. No, go for it. Particularly particularly, um, important sector, I think, um, in, in... in, in, in terms of the, you know, the sort of future, future of our economy. So um, before we get into the particular topic, do tell us a little bit about yourself, what your professional background is, and, um, and also a little bit about Philando, which is obviously with your baby and, um, and, and you, still, um, you know, still very much is. Ah, yeah, brilliant. Um, so my background, uh, I've spent 20 years in my career. I started life in the city um, as an mm-hmm. energy trader and then transitioned into the world of media, advertising and technology. Um, mm-hmm. And I spent the last 20 years uh, working in that space. Uh, predominantly worked in startups and scale-ups, so I have a fairly mm-hmm. good, fairly good experience of uh, of, of the space. Um, mm-hmm. Been part of a couple of acquisitions. Uh, was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to uh, help uh, launch ESPN Digital Media in Europe. So I've got a good experience of the culture within the Walt Disney Company. Um, we uh-huh. should explore a bit further. Um, yes. And then um, prior to prior to sort of um, to getting fully ensconced in uh, in the world of media, I, I was an international cricketer for uh, Kenya um, and played in a company in a World Cup, um, which was great. Oh, how fascinating! It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's always a lot of analogy, or analogies drawn, metaphors drawn between success in sport and success in business, aren't there? And an awful lot of successful sporting people go on to to have very successful careers in 
in personal leadership development and, and performance coaching and that kind of thing there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of similarities um i think in terms of uh, you know how where success comes from and how it comes about so interesting and certainly yeah, yeah very to explore Disney with you um, as part of this, because um, although we, you know, clearly not a not a startup or a scale up anymore, but but um, <laughs> you know, we're always held up very much, aren't they, as a as a model of an organisation that gets culture right. Um, so it'd be interesting to to hear on that. But let's before we get into the actual um, specifics of what we're going to talk about, let's just talk a little bit about. Um, impact of the last couple of years two years down the line nearly two years down the line we've been dealing with the impact of of covid on on our businesses and our personal lives as well of course um i just wonder whether from your point of view um what's been the particular without the, not necessarily talking about this generally but you know from the perspective of startups and scale ups has has covid just sort of stopped the world or has it has it made things easier or or, or what what's been your take on it um well so from from a sort of volando perspective you know we're a growth advisory business so like you know we're consultants and we tend to be uh, at the coalface and you know sometimes mm-hmm. when uh, a pandemic or you know recessions hit consultants are the ones that get pulled out first um yeah but the startup the startup sector has been pretty resilient um what's been fascinating is seeing how uh, a pandemic has accelerated um, certain parts, certain sectors of the market. Um, so mm. things like commerce, for example, um, you know, Amazon and the whole concept of marketplaces and how that has accelerated massively, partly because we're all at home or have been at home um, a hell of a lot mm. more. Uh, relying, you know, shops have been closed, lockdowns, we've been relying significantly on online shopping. Um, so there's been a massive uh, growth in, in that sector. Um, the delivery sector, obviously, which kind of, you know, anything that's affiliated to that commerce or enables that commerce side, um, that's all really massively accelerated. Things like VR and AR as well um, is an mm-hmm. interesting technology sector that's really accelerated as well because people are starting to realize they can't be in person. So things like um, I don't know, investor events, for example, or AGMs uh, for big corporates, you know, they can't have all their shareholders in a room. Um, so they've had to start to employ different digital um, platforms to create um, those virtual experiences for people. Um, mm. The metaverse is another way, is, is another thing that's kind of been sort of, you know, created, not created, it's been there a long time. The rails are there, but ultimately it's been accelerated. This development has been accelerated and its adoption has been accelerated as, as a result of uh, as a result of the pandemic. Um, areas mm. like cloud computing, um, you know, I don't know that many organizations that still have, you know, on-premise servers and various other things. A lot of them have, you know, a cloud-based infrastructure, uh, comms tools like Zoom and, and Hopin and various other things, um, various other platforms like Whereby have all again, you know, they've re-envisioned, you know, sort of, I guess, reimagined their their um, their services and their platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, co-work collaboration tools as well. So there's lots of different parts of the market um, that have sort of adopt, adapted um, and, uh, and benefited from uh, the fact that we're all at home, we're all remote, um, mm. and you know, and the world of work has changed fundamentally. Which then, obviously, mm. you know, because we're all remote, and things like you know, obviously, we've all lots of people have got families, and you know, so people having to homeschool and all the rest of it, it just changes the dynamic in the workplace. Um, mm. And I think you know that also pl- plays into the sort of the culture and values of, of some of the organisations that uh, I've come across. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, if we if we if we think about the impact of the last two years on on working practices and and particularly um, the home working or potential hybrid type of workplace. Um, do you think those particularly play to the strengths of startups, perhaps more so than traditional, more established businesses? Uh, they can. Um, again, startups. A lot of the startups and scale-ups. Um, it sometimes depends on it depends on the type of uh, the type of, of startup and scale-up because some of them require and work better with you know when there's people sat in a room collaborating um mm. but you know for the innovation side of things and when things are tough and you need to start you need to start to you know re- rethink or pivot the way that your your business operates but i think mm. startups tend to be a little bit more agile and dynamic by by virtue of being smaller um and you know less hierarchical um so it's a lot easier uh for them to to, to adapt um, I had one client in the education technology space that I worked with for the best part of nine months, almost virtually. But I didn't even meet um, three of three of the team until after I finished working with them, um, which is fascinating. You know, we ma- we managed an entire repositioning, rebranding, uh, all through uh, the use of Zoom and Google Meets and and various various collaboration tools. So mm-hmm. you know, if I look mm-hmm. back, if I look at that and think, would a corporate be able to do that? Possibly. Would it, would it have been as quick and with the decision-making being as snappy? Probably not. Um, yeah. So a, I think there's a lot, a lot, of, the, a lot of the working practices um, of the sort of startups have been, you know, they've got no choice because they have to adapt and they have to, they have to grow. Whereas some of the bigger organizations might, might have, you know, more um, slower decision-making structures, for mm. example, um, mm. which make it more difficult for, uh, yes. for, for those sorts of things to happen. Yes. Yes, it's, it is fascinating, and it's, it wouldn't be the first time I've said this, but over the last two years, you know, it, it was absolutely fascinating to see the kind of organisations who have been saying for years and years, oh, no, we, can't, we cannot support home working, we cannot support flexible working, we cannot allow job shares or any of that kind of stuff. You know, you need to be here and you need to be here full time. Um, how suddenly they, they had to make changes, and, you know, the the sky didn't fall in, you know, they actually um, kept going and in many, many ways went from strength to strength. So, yeah, it's interesting, isn't well, it? Okay. That's exactly so the point, that's talk- actually. Go yeah. On. Yeah. I was going to say, let's talk about Disney for a bit before we get into specifics, because yeah. I think it's, a, it's a, a fascinating example that's always held up as a great uh, example of an organization that really gets culture. Um, tell us from your point of view, what it is that they get right, um, well, and, and perhaps also how that's influenced your did that influence your sort of view on this whole topic? A hundred percent, it did influence my view, and everything that I sort of look for now when I'm working with companies is been is driven by some of my previous experience. Um, I was mm-hmm. an acquisition; we were an acquisition into Disney or into ESPN. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So we were almost, you know, obviously Disney is a massive organization, and ESPN, you know back in 2007 especially internationally was a bit like the sort of you know almost like the pimple on the dog's tail basically it was <laughs> so small uh, in comparison to the overall huge organization that disney is but it disney's a fascinating place um unbelievable at culture um they you know when when people sort of people joke about you know they make you drink the kool-aid um 
Disney have an amazing ability to make the world, to make you as an employee believe the world starts and finishes there. Um, mm. And it's just, you know, you are, everyone in there is so passionate about the product. Irrespective of whether it's whether you work in ESPN or whether you work in Disney cruises or resorts and parks, everybody is really passionate about the product. Everyone has a very clear understanding of the vision um, mm. and the behaviors and the values that, 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 they, uh, that they, you know, they ask everyone to, to, to abide by. It, the culture is so strong that the sort of the management, um, the level of management and hierarchy is at, for a big organization, it's relatively light because a lot of the time the answer is actually in the cultures uh, and the values. Um, so they, you know, a lot of it, you're, you are very much empowered along the lines of, you know, it's in our cultures to empower you. And th these are the sort of things that, you're, that we're expecting you to try and do and how you behave. And a lot of that's in there. There's a lot of training um, that, mm -hmm. They, uh, for, you know, we were effectively a new starter, even though we were all fairly experienced. We were still, you know, a new company coming in. There's a lot of experience and onboarding that we went through with, you know, HR teams and um, and various parts of the organisation. Um, there was a lot of exposure to the different parts of the, of the business, so you have a good understanding around the roles that different people play and where to go and how the US interfaces with um, uh, with Europe. Um, Town halls, brilliant at town halls. They made that, you know, they made those um, extraordinary experiences. Uh, great opportunity to network within the business as well. Um, mm -hmm. But they were very, very good at just, you know, there was lots of little things that they did. Um, and it was, it was almost like this sort of little and often um, to just reinforce the culture uh, and reinforce, you know, they did all the kind of standard things that you'd expect in terms of, you know, culture and values within the appraisal forms, within, you know, uh, job descriptions, uh, you know, promotions, all of those things were there. But it was the sort of little reinforcement they did every single day, wherever you went within the building, wherever you went around the world. Um, it was a little bit like McDonald's. Like, it's the same feeling everywhere you go. Um, and everyone and everyone there, it's like, and you can see it as well, post, you know, post leaving ESPN in 2010-11. You know, even now, you know, a lot of my colleagues have gone all over the world to Snapchat and YouTube and various parts of the you know various parts of the world, but there's a sort of Disney bond um, that yeah. you know if you've worked at Disney, whether you crossed over or not, whether you're there at the same time or different departments, you know if you've worked for Disney um, and you work for the mouse, basically there is this mm. unwritten rule that you help each other, um, yeah. and that's that's the power of that culture, which for me is fascinating um, in a lot of the work that I do now when I'm working with startups and scale-ups because it yeah. is. It is, it is the thing, you know, you can see, you, I see hundreds of different startups every, every year and I look at it and I go, I'd much rather have, you know, great, te uh, great team, good product, rather than amazing product, average team, because I know it's um, going to win. Um, yeah. And that's really, where, that's really where Disney kind of promotes that, you know, a lot of the lessons I learned back then and also a little bit from the sport that I had as well, you know, work, you know yeah. being able to understand those winning, what, what, what it takes to be part of a team. Um, yes, was really powerful. Interesting. I mean, I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that maybe people listening and say, oh well, that's all that's all very well when you've got a brand with the power and mm. the and the emotional heft and, and appeal of of the mouth, you know, Disney. Mm. Um, I'm I you know I make I make widgets for um, you know utility the utility companies or or um, you know I I sort of make um, automotive parts or whatever how my people how can I possibly get the same thing um, as, as they are I mean what would you say to that 
I think uh, I take I take your point, and and that's and that's fair. But I think a lot of these, a lot of smaller companies, um, can learn from you know. There's the basic foundational things that you know I would expect. But in any startup, any small company that I work with or, or consult for, um, it's very much like let's get the basics done there, and then looking at you know look at the business and look at how. Um, the little and often piece is really is really important because it doesn't take a huge amount um, to do some mm. of those things. You don't have to be Disney to be able to do that. In fact, sometimes being Disney or being a big corporate, sometimes that is actually quite hard to do. Um, but there's little things that you can do to bring your teams together. Um, yeah. so the, the, some of the leadership pieces, you know, when you talk to the senior managers and you talk to the senior management teams, but how do you lead your teams? How do you empower your teams? Um, mm-hmm. All of that is stuff that, I, that, you, that anyone can do. You don't have to be Disney to do that. Um, and there are lots of great examples of, of businesses that you know that have grown super fast. And you look back at it, and it just comes down to culture and values. But I mean, what's fascinated me actually uh, more and more in the, you know I do spend a lot of time in the M and A space uh, mm-hmm. and advising private equity and, and uh, venture capital on some of their investments and supporting some of the PE and, and VC investment. Um, funds out there with some of their portfolio companies when they hit bumps in the road. Um, and, you know, you get asked to go in and have a look at, oh, we, you know, they've hit a bump in the road commercially or we've made an acquisition and we don't know how to put the two things together or there's a problem with pricing. When you, mm-hmm. that's the outside looking in approach that perhaps a VC might have or someone might have, a board advisor might have. But when you actually go into the business and you get under the skin, nine times out of 10, it's to do with culture and values. It's to do with the fact that you're trying to bring two things together or someone doesn't understand that the role or how they should behave or the leadership that they should provide to do X. So it's really fascinating, that whole piece, um, when you start to see how, uh, how, how those types of organizations, and these are organizations that are doing 10, 15, $20 million a year in revenue, um, and they've been successful. But a lot of the time, some of it comes down to, to that. And then increasingly now, which is again, fascinating is you start to see the importance. I got a piece, I got a document last week from a private equity uh, organization in the US um, with their last 10 acquisitions, I think, or last 10 investments into one of their portfolio companies. And there was a sort of document and it was like five column spreadsheet. Fifth column had a glass door review uh, and it was their glass door rating. And I was like, wow. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, more and, and more. Yeah. More and yeah. more. And that's a that's an organisation that will probably acquire. They'll probably invest 100, 150 million in three or four big businesses a year, and then they'll they'll throw more money at those businesses to get to them to uh, bring in more smaller businesses. And all of it, Glassdoor is like one of the most important pieces uh, of the puzzle. It's fascinating, and I never yeah. thought. I'll be honest with you. This time last year, I was on really. But because the world, I think because the world is virtual um, and because people are now, you know, consumers, we are publishers almost. Um, mm. And, but in that space, you know, we have a, we have a mouthpiece and we're able to yeah. say what we think and what we don't. Think. And I think it's yeah. really important for organizations to, you know, not treat Glassdoor like TripAdvisor and go, oh, we'll just write some positive reviews and we'll get over it. But actually be on the front foot and say, right, okay, well, if there was a bad review, why was there a bad review? Um, yes, ask absolutely. yourself that question before you mm. go and write a false review in the hope that it's going to change your rating because that platform will get smarter over time um, yes. and they'll start to remove the false review. So it's about being on the front foot 
in a lot of cases yeah. when I talk to absolutely honest and transparent with it as well and also being being prepared to to listen to what people are saying and realize that actually maybe there you have got a problem with your culture maybe something isn't quite as it ought to be and and, and look into how you can how things can improve but but yeah no I, I take your point about that for sure and I think we're seeing increasingly going to see it, you know what we call employee voice is is absolutely crucial to a high high performing culture and it's absolutely crucial to employee engagement it's one of the four enablers of engagement that David McLeod and Neeks Clark identified in their original engaging to success report and, and Glassdoor is, is employee voice it, you know, and, it, and mm. it's given the vacancy levels that people are struggling with at the moment in terms of talent attraction and recruitment and, and so on and retention it's um you know it's, it's gonna it can only become more and more important can't it interesting your point i mean i think some of the stuff you were talking about with disney a very clear thread between the, the different parts of the business and how, what people's roles how people's individual roles fit in and contribute to the overall sort of um, ambition and vision for the business and you talked about empowerment but people understanding being free to make decisions and being empowered to make decisions but within a clear framework a clear behavioral mm -hmm. framework um and and that will all really plays towards the culture doesn't it so so let's let's move let's move on then and, and just talk a little bit more about the the startup scale up sector um what and you've touched on glass you've touched on glass door and you know it's it's only going to become more and more important but i suppose if you if you were to sort of ask the man in the street or the or the you know the average bod they would probably imagine that culture in startups can be one of two extremes it can either be absolutely buzzing and hyper motivating and you know fabulous place to work or equally it can be grueling and toxic and um exhausting or maybe even both depending on what day of the week it is so tell us you know this is your area of expertise what 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 are the key things about culture and values in um in startups and scale-ups that that you know you really need to focus on i mean have you got a little disney playbook that you that you bring, you know i try, I try not yeah, I try not to sort of roll the playbook out too often, um, <laughs> but I think I think fundamentally you're right. It can be both um, in equal measure on every day, or sometimes hour to hour. Uh, mm. Depends on the depends on the stage. You know, the, you know, if you're looking for funding and you're fund, you know, you're frantically looking for funding, and you get these amazing highs when you present to an investor, and then you kind of the massive low the next day, and the whole team starts to feel it. Um, mm. So I think fundamentally. Um, a lot of the time, actually, when you start talking about cultural values in startups, depending on where the founders have come from, and sometimes, you know, they're quite young and, and they don't necessarily uh, haven't been exposed to big companies because some of them have got, you know, have got that entrepreneurial mindset and have only really seen, seen the startup world. Uh, yeah. Others have, have exposure. And it's very much about, you know, I, when I start with them, it's, you know, I, I look, you know, it's really kind of start with the basics and the theory um, and just start helping them to think about, things like you know the, the vision statement, the vision and mission statement, and start there and think about how, what do we actually want to be? Where are we trying to go? What does this business need to look like in five years, right? And look at that and then work back from that. So start, mm -hmm. start with sort of the end in mind um, and start to think about that. I also you know, start to help them 
think a little bit with one eye on, you know, if you're thinking five years out, where does, you know, who would you like, if you wanted to sell this business to somebody at some point, how would, how would you want that business to be perceived? Um, so starting, when you start to think, trying to, when you force them to start to think a bit further away than, you know, the end of their nose, if you like, um, mm-hmm. and you get them to sort of open up to that, to that, you then, you can then, you, you almost then start to see their truth comes out and they start to go, okay, we want, you know, I, I really want to make sure that these are the types of people that I, I have around me because, you know, they have, a, they then start to develop a bit more of a self-awareness around what they're good at and what not, what mm-hmm. they're not good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it all starts with that sort of, you know, look like seriously, look in the mirror. I remember when I got my, I was given a mentor at, the, at, at Disney, just like very much look in the mirror. Um, and it's quite hard to do that and tell yourself and ask yourself, you know, what you want to stand for. Um, and I think, you know, being at, if you, when you start with a founder or a group of founders, um, it's very much around that, you know, encouraging them to go out there and, you know, go and have 10 coffees with people that you admire. Um, people love talking about themselves. Go and, go and have those 10 coffees and, and see what drives them um, and see what part of that chimes with you. You know, asking them things like, you know, I look at, because I come from a sports background, for me, it's very much about, you know, I look at New Zealand All Blacks and I think they're a fabulous, amazing organization, tiny country how are they so successful? Um, mm-hmm. you know, they talk about the DNA of a winning team, right? They want to win. And I think, you know, some of those, it's some of those, everyone will have something that influences the way that their mindset and their determination around what they want to try and be. And it's being able to kind of hone some of those areas um, and help them to articulate that in words that start with a vision, stroke mission statement. Mission statements are quite dated, but a vision statement um, or in the case of someone like a global radio, which I love, they have an obsession statement, right? So they've changed it around because for them, it's all about creating that kind of obsessive behavior about, you know, about the brand that they work for. So there are mm-hmm. some, um, you know, identify, helping them identify with something, whether it's a company or whether it's a set of values that they, they feel like they need to operate towards. And then it's going, right, what's that? What is to, do, to implement that? How does that framework you know, actually exist? Um, mm-hmm. How do you recruit people? How do you... Um, you know, how do you make sure that you're that that you can spot? Um, and this is the important bit: is how can you make sure you can spot where there's where there's something toxic in in the organisation, and, and mm-hmm. being able to cut that really quickly because you've got to make this, especially in the startup, one or two bad apples very quickly can can cause some serious rot, which then can take you know a year, eighteen months to then rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just being able to sort of manage those sorts of things. Um, but it really kind of starts a lot of the time. It starts with the founders uh, and the founding teams and getting them to look inside themselves uh, and think yes. a bit further out um, is very much where I so that's that's where I start. Um, yeah. And, and I think you're, the point we made about Glassdoor is that be honest and be transparent about mm. yourselves and about your about mm. some of your shortcomings because we've all got shortcomings. Um, and I know yes. there are parts, you know, and it's just being able to be you know be open about that so that you can. You, know, you can you, you have an awareness of it that you can ward it off, uh, or if mm. you see it happening, you can stop. So what happens, Abid, um, it, when when if you say you you know you're being backed by by, by VC money and it's yeah. the numbers, it's the numbers, it's the numbers, um, can that sometimes prove too big a battle? You know that that the culture and values stuff kind of gets put on one side for for the next few weeks because we've just got to deliver the numbers or is your do you counsel actually you really can't do one without the other that you you need I the counsel. culture and the values 
Mm. I counsel exactly that. Um, mm. But when yeah. you when you're in, when you're invested in by a VC, there is a requirement to hit milestones and to make sure we've got to the numbers, the numbers. But that's where you kind of build in. I I call it a growth plan. Um, you create a growth plan um, that has the numbers and it has a whole bunch of other milestones. Um, some mm. are softer that you need to try and hit. Um, and they basically, they all go hand in hand. You, as you say, you can't do one without the other. And actually, if your culture is strong uh, and, you're to, and you, uh, you work hard as a team and you, you back each other and you do all the things that you're supposed to do, um, that mm. a good culture, will, it will enable what you'll actually start to see is the numbers just look after themselves. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. When you're, it's when you start to get fairly, you know, when organizations start to focus on sometimes the wrong things, that's what, that's what tends to happen. Mm. Okay. We said before we came on air, uh, you and I said that this half hour will fly by, and I'm really sorry to say yeah. that it has. We've got literally a minute left. So I just want to finish off with, okay, so we're now going to sell our startup. We're going to go into merger. We're going to go into acquisition. Is culture the differentiator at that point, or does that still come back to the, to the numbers? Uh, the numbers will get you in the door. Um, culture will get the deal done. Um, the oh, amount of organizations go back, go back to the glass door thing. Um, mm-hmm. You can have the best numbers on the planet, but if it's a toxic culture, um, a lot of the time, if it doesn't fit with the acquirer's culture either, um, or it's going to be difficult to fit, that will always be the challenge. Uh, right. I've seen deals, lots of deals fall over on that basis. Um, so yeah, right. definitely numbers will get you in the door, but culture will close the deal. I like that quote. Very nice. Excellent. Abid, Jan Mohammed, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I feel like we could talk about this for a lot longer than our half hour. So um, thank you. Thank you, um, everyone, for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Um, a quick reminder to look out for our next Engage for Success event on February the 4th. Um, if you uh, look on our website, you should find details or connect with me on LinkedIn, and I will be very happy to send you the link. Um, and meanwhile, don't forget you can download or stream any of the great shows from our, our archive at any time just visit engageforsuccess.org um, and similarly if you want to get involved in the movement we're always looking for volunteers with a passion for engagement and culture so I'm looking at you there Abid uh, so thank you for joining us and thank we'll be much. back same time next week thank you thank you Engage for Success Radio raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.